Um, so this is just the Bible reading, so it's Hebrews 12, uh, 3 to 17. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not re- yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that, when it's, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for, holy, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, if, if you haven't met me, like Jess was saying, uh, if you haven't met me, uh, my name is Andrew, I'm pastor here. It feels weird that there's so many people, not, not weird, we're glad you're here, that's not weird, um, but so strange that we haven't had the chance to hang out or get to know each other. That's very unvillage, like normally there'd be dinners and coffees and lunches and all kinds of things, usually around food. Um, so if you have registered for the intro class afterwards, I look forward to meeting you then. Um, keep your Bible open in Hebrews 12. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're continuing this series in Hebrews um, called Jesus Better. If you don't have a Bible, there are some at the back on the shelf. Just take one on your way out. That's, that's for you. Just take it home and, and, and read it and enjoy it. Um, this week, I was reminded that the coronavirus thing is still very much here. Because uh, you're kind of getting to the point where you're like, oh, yes, this is nearly over. Sweet. But then our wee boy, Finley, there was a positive, class, a positive case in his class, so he has to isolate uh, for 10 days and all that kind of stuff, and I had to take him and get tested. And you kind of think, oh, it's nearly over, but then it's still here. Um, and one of the results of this pandemic has been that most parents have spent more time with their kids than they have ever before. Now, I know a lot of you are young and single and don't have kids, um, but trust me, uh, sometimes that's very difficult. So if anyone is a single parent, a single parent or a stay-at-home parent, uh, I take my hat off to you, honestly, um, because there are lots of things about my kids that I don't like. <laughs> that's what I realized. Uh, people are like, oh, you can't say that. Well, yes, I can, because sometimes they're really annoying and hard to be around. Um, <clears throat> hope they listen to this someday. Um, but we've had to learn a lot about discipline, right? Um, and discipline is hard. You'll remember this from your own childhood or, you know, if you have raised kids of your own, you know, dif- discipline's hard. It's hard to get right. It's hard to not do it out of anger. It's hard to not do it out of uh, uh, just being annoyed and tired. But it's also hard to receive, isn't it? 
If you remember back to your own childhood, you probably had discipline sometimes. And you were like, why are you doing this to me? You know, what, what is this happening for? Uh, one time I remember being disciplined and I did very clearly know the reason is because I was playing football. When I say playing football, I was kicking the ball against the side of the house and uh, I was about 10 years old and my dad had told me countless times, don't do that there because one day you're going to break a window. And sure enough, smashed the ball through my mom and dad's bedroom window, like the worst room in the house to break the window on. And then they heard the crash and looked out the living room window and saw me just standing there like, you know, obviously it was me that broke the window. Um, <clears throat> and they were not best pleased. But I do remember them being really kind to me. Um, instead of yelling and shouting, well, my dad did a wee bit of yelling, to be honest. But instead of yelling and shouting, uh, they made me uh, give up some of my uh, money out of my money box to put towards the window getting replaced. And, and it might seem a bit harsh, but... But it really taught me this value of owning up to your mistakes and then doing your best to put them right, even if it costs you something. And that's, that's something I still hold to this, to this day and try and instill in, in, in my own kids. But the point is that, that discipline is important and necessary because it teaches us things, right? And, and Hebrews 12 um, is showing us, the author is showing us the importance of God's discipline in the lives of us, his children. Actually, how, how viewing suffering and hardship as God's discipline uh, can, can allow us to endure those hardships even more. And this is kind of what, this is what he's saying. If I could sum up what he's saying, I would say this. God lovingly disciplines his children through hardship, so we should pursue the holiness it produces in us. God lovingly disciplines his children through hardship so we should pursue the holiness it produces in us. In other words, like any good parent disciplines their, their kids for a reason, to teach them and train them, um, that's what God does with us through the hardship in our lives. And so we should actually lean into that. And there's three things I want us to see in this passage this morning. Uh, we should receive hardship as God's discipline. Why God's discipline is a good thing, why it's good for us, and then pursuing that holiness produced by discipline. So firstly, we should receive hardship as discipline. The church in Hebrews, hopefully you'll know by now if you've been with us through this journey, they were facing all kinds of opposition and persecution. They were a church based in the Rome area most likely, and which is, you know, there's lots of persecution of Christians coming in. And that opposition was making them weary. They were tired of it. And then in turn, it seemed that their weariness was leading them to be tempted to just give up on Jesus altogether, to maybe quit the faith, to fall away. And in the midst of this hardship, the preacher says, don't worry, I've got some encouragement for you. Consider your suffering as discipline. Now, maybe at first glance, that doesn't seem all that encouraging to us, because even if, even if hardship and suffering are God's discipline, how is that an encouragement? But according to the preacher of Hebrews, it is. In verse 5, he, he quotes uh, Proverbs, a book of the Old Testament, a book of wisdom, and he says, have you forgotten the word of encouragement? And what is that word of encouragement? Don't take the discipline of God lightly. Don't reject it. Consider it. It should actually be an encouragement to you. Don't disregard it. Take it on board. Even welcome it into your life. Don't just assume that, that any hardship that you go through is some cosmic accident. Uh, as people from 
Ireland, uh, North and South, I think we're very good. One of the things I love most about uh, our culture is that we are very good at making light of hard situations, aren't we? Right? So, um, a few years ago, I was with, I was snowboarding in Austria and I fell and uh, I'd like to say that I was doing some really cool stunt or trick, but I wasn't. I just fell and, and broke my arm and, and it was a compound fracture and I had to go to hospital and honestly, the amount of slagging I got for that, like I was in pain and agony and the amount of slagging I got for it was unreal. But that's what we do. If something bad happens, we get slagged off, don't we? And the other thing that we're very good at doing in hard times is complaining. We love making fun of it and we love complaining. We complain and we complain and we complain and we make fun of it. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't find things to laugh about in hard times, but that same tendency often leads us to uh, belittle the hard things in our lives. We either laugh about it or complain, but we miss the vital point. What is God trying to teach us through this? If we just resign ourselves to the fact, well, bad things happen in life, that's it, you know, Murphy's Law or Sod's Law, I always get those two mixed up, don't know what they are, don't know what the difference is, maybe the same, I'm not sure. Bad things happen, that's it. But have you ever gone through something that you could see no reason for? A time when you just think, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me right now, you know? Like when you're, um, the, the, the common one for me is like I'm running late and then I get stuck in traffic. And I'm like, oh, why is this happening? And what about more serious things? See, it's easy to see how good things in life are opportunities to enjoy God. But what about the bad things in life? The hardship, the suffering. What about a chronic illness? Or the death of a loved one who, who died too young. Or even those smaller things that I mentioned. Like, I had a sleepless night last night because my neighbor, uh, I, my neighbor uh, loves to have people over on Saturday nights, even in a pandemic, and have parties till like six in the morning. Um, so I had a sleepless night last night. God, what are you trying to teach me in that? I wish that was my attitude. My attitude was just lying there, fuming in bed. Or what about that baby that just won't stop crying or... All these different things. What do we do with them? What do we do when the unexpected happens? What do we do when, 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 when the hardship comes? And the answer, according to Hebrews 12, is that we should be encouraged to endure through the hardship because these things are the discipline of God. There is not one part of your life that is not orchestrated by God. God is in control over every aspect of your life. And I used to believe that even as a Christian that, well, yeah, of course God is in control of the big stuff. There's no way if he cares about whether I get stuck in traffic or whether I have toothache or whether, I... but that's not true. If God isn't in control of those little things, then he's not God. He's not an almighty sovereign God if he's not in control of even the smallest detail. And this means that we can know that, that in every part of our lives, even the smallest detail is under his control. And so if we are going through hardship, we can be encouraged that God is in control and the hardship is, is his discipline. Now, having this viewpoint, I think, changes everything. Seeing our hardship as the discipline of a good God allows us to endure the suffering no matter what the cause is. The context here in Hebrews is, of course, the persecution and opposition for their faith. Or even if it's an illness, or a bereavement, or being stuck in a traffic jam. God is in control. And we can endure hardship 
because God is training us and teaching us through His discipline, which is a good thing. Listen, if we think of our hardship as discipline with God, we can begin to see it as a positive thing because it's for our good. Let me put it this way. Hardship in the hands of a loving Father is discipline that trains us in righteousness and produces holiness in us. Hardship in the hands of a loving Father is discipline that trains us in righteousness and produces holiness in us. And that's our second point. This is where I want to move on and spend a good chunk of our time this morning. That God's discipline is good for us. God's discipline is good for us. Now, there are two particular things in this passage that show us that God's discipline is a good thing. Firstly, it shows us it's a sign that that we are God's children. And secondly, it produces this holiness in us. It, It has a result. It trains us. It transforms us. Let's read verses 7 and 8 again just to we. I think it'll be on the screen. It says this, it is for discipline that you have that you have to endure, okay? So there's a point to it that the endurance is part of the discipline. Just like we had the the uh, sporting metaphors last week, you know, um, if you discipline yourself before a race or a boxer before a fight, you you don't eat certain foods, you stay away from the cakes and the biscuits, right? And the chocolate. Uh, you eat the right things, you eat healthy, you, you run, you, you train, you condition your body. There is endurance to that. Then he goes on, God is treating you as sons. This is literally here a, a, a word for it's, it's sons and daughters. It's a child of any gender. So women, you're not off the hook on this. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which, you have particip- in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children. And not sons. In other words, good parents discipline their children, and if you weren't being disciplined, it would mean that you weren't really his child. And so you know what this means? It means that when we go through hardship in our lives, we are being reminded that God loves us. That he is a good, good father. When when something hard comes into your life, when something suffering comes into your life, when something tough comes into your life. It's a reminder that God loves us, and and that's completely counter to the way we would normally think about it. Because most of the time, we're tempted to think that hardship in our lives is a sign that that God has forgotten about us, right? That's kind of what we do, isn't it? Uh, The question that we're most likely to ask uh, when hardship comes, and and I had a friend, a non-Christian friend, say this to me uh, recently when he was talking about something hard in his life, actually a bereavement in his life, and he was saying, like, well, where's your God here? You know, that's what he said to me. One of my best friends, he said, well, where's your God here? And that's the question we like to ask when hardship comes. Where is God in all of this? But according to Hebrews 12, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? The Lord disciplines the one He loves. In fact, verse 8 goes so far as to say that if He didn't discipline us, it would actually be a, a sign that we were illegitimate children, that we weren't really part of His family. Now listen, I don't know what hardship that most of you are going through. I'm sure that everybody, every one of us has something in their lives that they're finding particularly difficult right now. Some maybe small things, some really big things. But please hear me, Christians, that God is saying to you that He has not forgotten about you. He has not forgotten about you. If you are in Jesus, you're His beloved child. 
And so when hardship comes and we ask the question, where is God in all of this? Well, we can be sure that He's always, He is where He has always been, with us, beside us, and He's for us. Have you ever seen the, has anyone ever seen the movie Hook? Yes, all you young people are like, well, that's like a really old movie. It is, that was like a movie of my childhood. Absolute classic. Absolute classic. Robin Williams at his finest. And um, there's this one scene where, where, where Peter's trying to remember who he is. And, and then he, he has this flashback to how he actually got to Neverland. And he's in the pram. And his mummy turns away. And then the pram rolls off down the hill. Do you remember this? And, and then he, he's in the rain crying. And Tinkerbell comes along and takes him off to Neverland. And this is sometimes how we think about hardship in our lives. Like God is, like we're in the pram and God is too busy chatting to his friend and turns around and we roll off down the hill. God doesn't turn his back on us. He never looks the other way. Do you realize that, that, that you always have the attention of your father? Always. And so discipline is not a sign that God has forgotten about us. Far from it. It's a sign, actually, that, that He loves us dearly. It's a sign that we are as His children. It's a sign that He is at work in even the smallest details of your lives for our good. Listen, if I didn't love my children, I wouldn't care how they behaved. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't try to correct their behavior. I, I used to work in, uh, well, in a couple of different uh, settings uh, with uh, older kids, with teenagers, and many of them grew up uh, in, in environments where there was no discipline, where there was no correction, where there was no boundaries, uh, and their lives did not turn out well at all. The fact that they were in my care kind of proved that. You see, in the long run, an act of discipline is an act of love. And so if the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He uses hardship to discipline us, this means that we can welcome hardship in our lives. As a sign of His love. Hardship in your, your life is a sign that God loves you. If you're a Christian, hardship in your life is a sign that God loves you. And do you see how this can completely change how we view suffering? Do you see how this can help us to endure hardship? Suddenly the hardship in our life goes from being this cosmic accident that just happens because bad thing happens to being the loving discipline of a perfect and good. God hasn't turned his back on our pram and let off down the hill. He's in control of everything, and he lovingly disciplines us. One of my teachers, um, uh, just a great thinker and a great pastor, a guy called Tim Chester, he has this book, Enjoying God, and he says this. He says, seeing this world as a fathered world, isn't that a great phrase, a fathered world? Isn't that a brilliant concept that we're, we're, not, just, we're not just, you know, a planet flying through the universe. This is a fathered world. He, he loves us. He's invested in us. Seeing this world as a fathered world enables us to welcome every hardship as a sign of the Father's love. Listen to this. And that has the power to turn a bad day into a good day. A bad day becomes a day full of God's fatherly discipline, and God's fatherly discipline is a sign of fatherly love. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that an amazing thought? A bad day can become a good day because a bad day is full of the fatherly discipline. And that's a sign of fatherly love. Amazing. 
But not only is this discipline a sign of our, of our childhood, a sign of our sonship, a sign that God is our Father, but it's also designed to produce holiness in us. And I'm going to read again verses 9 to 10 from the passage. It says this, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? The Father of spirits, that's just a a way of him saying that that God is not a human father. For For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. The author here draws a parallel between human fathers and, and our heavenly father. Now, just at this point, I want to I pause for a second, and I want to recognize that for some of you, the idea of a father who disciplines is not a very positive thing at all. Even in a, group, a small group this size, the possibility that some of you will have painly, painful mem- memories of abuse and neglect is real. Maybe even that was abuse that was carried out under the guise of being disciplined by a man who should have loved you and protected you. And if that is you, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that. And I know that this subject can be painful. But as always, our our theology must come from the top down, as it were, and not the bottom up, okay? In other words, we, we don't have God the Father because we have earthly fathers. We have earthly fathers because we have God as a father. And these earthly fathers are given us to us as, as, as shadows to, to show us a glimpse of what the earthly father is like. And, and no matter how good any earthly father is, they will never compare to the goodness of our perfect heavenly father. In his discipline, God never lashes out. He never loses control never disciplines out of spite or rage or weariness or revenge. He doesn't lift his hand when he's had too too much to drink. He is perfect. And he always disciplines us with our best intentions at heart. So if you have been hurt by your dad, can I just encourage you to find comfort in the arms of our perfect father? He will never let you down. And the point of these verses is that discipline under healthy circumstances has a purpose. Like me with the broken window. My parents uh, teaching me the value of paying for the wrongs you've done. It feels like me and Haley are disciplining R2 all the time at the minute. That just feels like what we do. It feels like we're constantly correcting them. Um, it feels like we're constantly telling them they can't do something, they should do another thing. And we do it not because we enjoy it, because we don't. It would be so much easier to just let them run amok and do whatever they wanted to do. Like sometimes you just want to go out to the back garden and sit there with your coffee and just let them run well in the living room for five minutes. But we do it because we love them. And we want them to be formed in a certain way, don't we? And listen, we do this imperfectly. I do discipline my kids out of tiredness, out of weariness, out of anger sometimes. But, but our, 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 our Father God is perfect, and this is what He does. Verse 10 tells us this, that He disciplines us so that we may share in His holiness. We may share. That's the goal of His discipline. Isn't that incredible? He disciplines us so that we can gain something eternally valuable. 
The point to his disciplining us is so that we would become more holy, become more like Jesus, so we can very confidently say, God uses hardship in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Even if it's persecution by others, make us more like Jesus. His, his goal for us is His holiness. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to pretend that we're, you know, enjoying all the hardships in my life. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, crash McCarty all day. Oh, oh, great. We don't have to do that. We can just call the bad things bad. We can call evil evil, right? This is what verse 11 tells us, that, that the discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So we don't have to pretend to like it. If you're a victim of a crime, you can just call it what it is, a horrible, unfair thing that has happened to you and it sucks. If, if you're sick, if you're struggling with an illness or, or mental illness or something like that, you can just say, this sucks. This is a result of a sinful, fallen world and it's hard and I don't like it. But, but listen, in the hands of a loving father, even the hardest of hardship is full of gracious purpose for his children. In the hands of a loving father, even the hardest of hardships is full of gracious purpose for his children. In other words, our father loves us. And even though all the, 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 the things that are painful and hard and annoying are full of purpose for our good, even if we can't understand that at the time. Finley is six now, but when he was a baby, I, had a more, I have a more recent example like this when I had to give him the coronavirus test the other day and stick this thing up his nose and he hated it and he was like crying and slapping my hand away. But when he, I'll go with the baby one. When he was a baby, uh, Haley was at work and I, and I had to take him for his wee, uh, you know, jabs, his wee immunizations and there were two nurses, which I think is a bit unfair because they were basically like tag teaming this kid and one of them was like, just take his wee nappy down inside of that side, hold him like this and... Uh, they kind of just stuck him like one on each cheek to get it over with. Like, that was a bit, I was like, that's a bit unfair. Like two of these women coming at him. Um, and he had no idea what was going on. Of course, it's pain and he just starts crying. And he's looking in my eyes and the tears are coming out. He's screaming like, Daddy, why are you doing this? He had no idea, nor could he even possibly conceive why someone who loves him would let him go through this. But the point is, I knew and as much as it was hard for me to see him in that moment crying his wee eyes out, I said, son, I don't want you to be sick down the line. So I'm letting you go through this momentary pain right now. In the hands of a loving father, even the hardest of hardship is full of gracious purpose for his children. And listen, church, if we know that discipline is, is the act of our loving father that produces holiness in us, we should welcome it and submit to it, and not fight against it. No one's telling you it has to be pleasant. In fact, the Bible tells us it's not. Yes, it's not pleasant at the time, but in us, verse 14 tells us, nope, I can't remember which verse, it produces, uh, it produces a harvest of righteousness. Verse 11. So we can be joyful, even in our pain, and sadness, and frustration, knowing that our perfect Father is working in our lives for good. Now, before we move on to our last point this morning, there's a question that I think all of this raises that I just want to kind of clear up before we move on. And the question is this, is all the hardship and discipline from God in our lives a result of something we've done wrong? 
In other words, am I only facing this hardship because I have sinned? Okay. And the answer is no. It is sometimes, but not always. And 1 Corinthians 11 gives us a good example of this. You see, the church there in Corinth, they were, they were an imperfect church just like us. They weren't getting it all right. They were doing some things good and some things bad. And one of the really bad things they were doing was when they were coming to the communion meal, um, all the, the rich and powerful Christians were getting there early and they were drinking all the communion wine to the point where they were drunk and they were eating all the food so that all the poor Christians, when they got there, they couldn't even partake of the meal because there was nothing left. And even that, they, they had to go without food. And the Apostle Paul, who's writing to this church, he says, this is actually, this sinful behavior, you're desecrating the Lord's Supper, and this sinful behavior actually means that, that some of, this is why some of you are sick, and even why some of you have died. So clearly, God does sometimes discipline us because of the sin in our lives. In the same way, I discipline my children when they do something wrong. So if Abigail's being defiant, she has to sit in the naughty step. So she's three. She basically sits in the naughty step all day at the minute. That's her bedroom now. That's not true. That, I, we are not abusive. But anyway, just we'll delete that from the recording. But other times, we haven't necessarily done anything wrong. But God, in His love and foresight and wisdom, uses hardship to maybe spur us on or, or broaden our thinking or see things in a different way or, or, or even protect us from something that would come down the line, just like the immunizations. And we see this in John chapter 5. There's a man who has been blind from birth. And the disciples, uh, you know, they asked you, they say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he should be born blind? And Jesus says... This man didn't sin, nor his parents, but he's like this so that the work of God might be displayed in him. And the point is, isn't for us to, to sit down and try to work out, well, what, why is this happening? And, and what, you know, every possible angle and reason for, for, for why I'm going through what I'm going through. Listen, if, if you're only asking uh, God to reveal sin in your life when something bad happens to you, that's not the right way to live a Christian life. It's always a good idea to, to read the Bible and ask God to reveal a sin in your life and allow Him to transform you. Don't wait until something bad happens. But the point in hardship is to remember that God's purposes in everything is for our good. His goal for us is His holiness. His goal for us is Christ-likeness. So suppose you're going through something difficult and you can't see the reason for it and it just won't seem to stop. This thing just won't seem to quit. Remember that God loves you and ask Him what He is trying to teach you in this. Maybe you can't identify a purpose, but that doesn't mean there isn't one. In those moments, it's good enough for you just to trust the care of your loving and good Father. That's probably the best thing to do. And listen, I think this gives us so much hope. I was this hit me last night. See, all, all through Hebrews, and especially the last couple of chapters, we've been looking at these examples of faith and we've been seeing how God is with us in our suffering. And that's incredible, that's amazing that God equips us to endure suffering. But then it hit me last night that, that even better than God just being with us in our suffering is realizing that there is a purpose to our suffering. 
no matter how hard it may be, no matter how dark the night is, we can know that we are in the hands of our loving and perfect Father and there is a reason for it all. In fact, whether it's in the middle of something long and ongoing and and tragic and, and horrible or even in the small inconveniences, we can simply pray, Father, I, I, I know you love me. I don't understand this, but thank you for it. And please use this to make me more like Jesus. And that attitude is the start of pursuing the holiness that discipline produces in our lives. And that's our final point this morning. We should pursue the holiness produced by God's discipline. Verses 12 to 17 Uh, use language like this, like lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths, strive for peace and holiness, and see to it that no one falls from grace. It's very much like the language we saw before uh, at the start of the chapter, which he's saying, run the race with endurance. There's a striving, there's a pursuing, there's an effort to be made here. And what he's saying is, is really that the results of God's discipline, i.e. the holiness that, that God is trying to produce in us, is something that we should strive for. And when we do this, we see that it has profound effects in our lives and in the lives of the Christian community. Verse 13, the, 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 the author, the preacher, quotes from Proverbs 4. And he gives us this picture of making a level path for our feet. Now, in, 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 in the wisdom literature, in the, in the Old Testament, that, that idea of making a, a level path for your feet, um, it, it's, it's a picture of choosing God's way to live. Make a straight path, make a, a level path without stumbling blocks on it. That's the way of, of choosing God's way of right living. So in other words, we endure, the, we endure hardship by choosing God's way of holiness. So when hardship comes, we don't sit down and and complain. We don't give up on living the way of Jesus just because things have got tough. Especially in hardship, especially then, we choose to keep on living God's way for our lives. The other night I was chatting to a friend and and she was telling me um, that when she was pregnant, they discovered some issues with the baby. There was a chance that the baby might be born with a number of, of complications and difficulties. And the consultant uh, numerously, numerously, numerous times uh, suggested uh, that they have an abortion. And they're a Christian couple, and so they explained that, that they, they, they wanted to trust God and that abortion wasn't an option for them. And, and, and no matter what the outcome was, they were just not going to do that. They were going to trust God. And I can't imagine what it would be like to go through a pregnancy I can't imagine what it would be like to go through a pregnancy, let's be honest. But, but to go through a pregnancy um, with so much uncertainty. But even so, this mom and dad, they decided to choose the Lord's way. Even in the middle of something scary and hard and trying, they chose to make their path level. And the amazing thing is that when we do this, we find that it leads to our healing and strengthening. And if we choose to leave God's way... We won't find healing. We find that our condition gets worse. Also, we should pursue peace with everyone. According to verse 14, unity in the church is entwined with holiness. Why is this? Because unholiness leads to disunity. And disunity is like a bitter root. And bitterness breeds bitterness. Maybe you've seen this in a family situation. 
Those things can escalate really quickly, can't they, if you ever experience something like that? Maybe you've seen it in a friendship group that has fallen apart. Maybe even in a church where one disgruntled person leads to another disgruntled person and then another and so on and so on. And here's how this works. If you find yourself in conflict um, with one of your brothers or sisters, which is, a, which is a fair possibility because remember, we the church are made up entirely of sinful people, okay? So it's entirely possible that you'll find yourself in conflict um, with one of your brothers or sisters. You have two choices. You can, you can either see this as a hardship that, the God is, that, God's, that is God's loving discipline that is designed to produce holiness in you, or you can be angry and bitter about it. Now, one of those ways leads to peace and unity, and the other way leads to division and disunity. Bitterness is like a poison, and it spreads. And if we don't treat it, it can lead to many people falling away even from Jesus. People rarely leave churches on their own. People rarely leave churches without taking other people with them. I have a friend who is a pastor of a church, and he's experiencing this right now. Like people leaving the door and throwing a grenade through the door as they leave. And so even in conflict, and especially conflict in the church, we should pursue the holiness that God is trying to produce in us by allowing us to go through this particular trial. We can count it all joy. We can count it all as a blessing. Because if we don't, the results can destroy not only a church, but it can actually have serious eternal consequences. Let me explain what I mean as I bring things to a close. Listen to verse 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, we won't see God. You see how vital pursuing this holiness is? Without it, we can't see God. No wonder then that God disciplines us to produce holiness in our lives. Because it's vitally important. And, and, And the author gives us Esau as an example. Esau in the Old Testament in Genesis, he is the eldest son of Isaac and his younger brother is Jacob. And they're both younger brother, they're twins and and Jacob's born a few minutes after Isaac. And they they are the sons of Isaac who is the kind of promise keeper of God. And one day Esau comes in from hunting and he's absolutely famished, right? He's just, you know, Hank Marvin. And his In his desperation for food, he sells his birthright to his younger brother Jacob in exchange for some food. So the deal is, look, brother, you give me some of your food that you got ready there because I'm starving. I'll give you whatever you want. I'll I'll even give you my birthright. I'll give you uh, all the benefits that come with being the eldest son, all the blessing, all the inheritance, all the covenant promises of God. You see, Esau in that moment treats the honor of being an heir lightly. He throws it away cheaply. He gives away something so valuable in exchange for a bowl of stew. He lets the immediate cravings of the moment outweigh the far superior and more valuable lifelong gifts of being a son and heir. He gives up the covenant promises of God to satisfy this momentary craving. Brothers and sisters, don't reject your honored position as a child of God for the momentary craving of avoiding suffering and discomfort. In other words, don't give up on the eternal goodness of Jesus just so you can have a slightly easier time of it here and now. 
Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've stayed quiet instead of speaking out about Jesus just so that people don't think you're weird? Have you ever hidden your faith just because you want to fit in? Maybe you've even denied that you're a Christian just so you can have an easier time of it. Firstly, I want you to know there's forgiveness for that, that Jesus' blood covers all sin, and you are forgiven if you trust in Him. Secondly, let me encourage you, don't give up the eternal goodness of Jesus just to avoid momentary hardship. This is the way that leads to death, not to life. Instead, let God use your difficulty for your good. Let Him train you in holiness. Let God use your suffering to make you more like Jesus. You remember the first two words we, we, that, that, that Victoria read for us in verse 3? Consider Him. Consider Jesus. Jesus is God's Son. Jesus actually shares in the very being, the very nature of God Himself. And yet... Jesus, the divine son, was disciplined. Hebrews 5 verse 8 tells us that he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, not that he was sinful and disobedient and had to learn how to be obedient and be corrected. It means that that he was equipped to become our mediator, to become our savior, to become our great high priest, to become our friend through the suffering that he endured. Now, consider Jesus. We too are God's sons. We are His children. God has adopted us who believe in Him into His family. And our suffering is a sign that that we are sons just like the Son. And because we are sons and daughters like the Son, we have a relationship with the Father of, of love and devotion and care, just like Jesus does. When Finley was crying in my arms after he got his injections, and if you just took that out of context... You would be forgiven for asking, why is he letting his child go through this? What kind of father would let his child hurt, be hurt like this? The answer is a loving father, good father. And if we see our hardship in this way, we can know our sonship. We can be sure of his love. We can pursue the good transformation that he is working in us. Christian, the hardship in your life is not a punishment for your sins. (laughs) Because that punishment has already been taken by Jesus on the cross. God heaped all the punishment for all of our sin on Jesus. The hardship in your life is His careful correction, His loving discipline. So let's pursue the holiness that He is trying to work in our lives through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that that you have chosen to call us your children. We don't deserve that, Lord. It just blows my mind. (laughs) Blows me away, Lord. Father, I pray that that you would assure us of our position as your children for those of us who trust in Jesus. Lord, help us to see the hardship in our lives as as signs of, of your love, your great love and your grace to us. Help us be transformed by this, Lord. Lord, for those of us here suffering, seemingly things that are insurmountable, Lord, I just pray for your grace. I pray that that, that message of, of discipline would actually be an encouragement. Lord, we pray uh, for healing where healing is necessary. We pray for 
relief where relief is necessary. Jesus, we know that, that in you we are God's children and that you are working all things together for our good. So help us trust that and help us lean in. Help us pursue what you're trying to do in our lives. May we just be like good, obedient children. In Jesus' name and for his glory alone, help us, Holy Spirit. Amen.